The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Let's find our Bibles and stand. Go to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. We've been going through this series. Um, in the beginning, an introduction to God's truth. There's a lot of lies and a lot of uh, misinformation out there. So we've been going through this uh, series with our teenagers in the beginning, an introduction to God's truth, because they've been introduced to a lot of falsehoods. They've been taught the evolutionary theory, the Big Bang. They've been taught things that is very clear with science is not true, such as the blurring of the genders and the people don't know which bathroom to use. So we decided to start from the beginning, and we went through and saw what God had to say about the matter. And in Genesis, God says he created them male and female. Tells us why there's so many languages. It tells us how Israel got started, God's chosen people. So we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 26 tonight. And verse number one, and the Bible says, And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him, unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee, and unto thy seed, I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thee thy seed all these countries." Unto thy seed, all these countries, and unto the seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Today we're going to talk about the blessings of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather tonight. We ask that you would be with us, be with me as I preach. Give me clarity of thought, speech. I ask that you would bind the devil and his demons and that he would be restrained so that your word can go forth and that God's people can be blessed. We pray that if there's someone here that isn't saved, today would be their day of salvation, that they call on Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> The distance from the earth to the sun is 93 million miles. The sun is the closest star to the earth. There is a star in Orion's belt by the name of Betelgeuse. If we were to place Betelgeuse in our solar system, it would fill and engulf our inner planets. Tycho Brahe, who was a Danish astronomer, said that there were 1,011 stars in the universe. Tomley said there were 777 stars in the universe. And then they invented something called the telescope. The bigger the telescope, the more they can see. As a matter of fact, we not only do not know how many stars are in the universe, we also do not know how many galaxies are in the universe. And with our limited understanding, we may not be able to look and see the stars, but God numbers them. And he calls them by name. Psalm 147. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. John 1.3. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. 
Colossians 1.17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Not only did God create all things, but without his divine intervention, without his interaction and involvement, all of creation would crumble and spin out of control. If God was to stop paying attention for just one second, everything would spin out of control. We have a consistent God. He's faithful. He cares for his children. His care is unchanging. His love for the world is unconditional. His grace bestowed is unmatchable. And his promises, his promises are sure. He promised to be with Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis as he called Abraham out and saved his soul. He said, Abraham, do you see the stars? Can you number them? So shall thy seed be. And sure enough, God's plan began. 25 years after he promised Abraham that he would have a son, he had a son. His name was Isaac. And God took his time, and we were talking about it in the teen, in the teen room, Abraham was at this stoplight for 25 years waiting for this promise to come through, waiting for this child to come from his wife, Sarah. He had his son, Isaac, and now Isaac is married with two of his own children. Verse number 2 of chapter 26, the Lord appeared unto him and to Isaac, go not down into Egypt. Go not down into Egypt. Why? Because there's a course that was set. God put Abraham on a course. God set Abraham on a course. And as he put Abraham on that course, his, per his promise was perpetual and extended to the generation of Isaac. And now Isaac is on that course. Isaac, I have a course for your life. I have a way that you should go. It's nothing new. He's continuing what God promised to his father Abraham. He said, go not down to Egypt. Go not down into Egypt. God saw what happened in chapter 12 as Abraham went through Egypt with his nephew Lot and placed the desires in Lot's heart. That's why Lot ended up in Sodom, because it reminded him of Egypt. Abraham lied and said that his wife was actually his sister, but God never told them to go into Egypt. And he's telling Isaac, Go not down into Egypt. I have a course for your life. I have a purpose for your life. I don't want you to go to Egypt. I want you to dwell here. Sojourn in this land, in verse number three. I have a purpose for your life, and it's not Egypt. Notice God specifically said, go not down into Egypt. Stay on the course that I have set for you. Keep the course that I have started for you. The Costa Concordia was the largest cruise vessel Italy had ever built. It was over 60 feet longer than the Titanic. It was captained by Francesco Schettino. One evening with over 4,000 passengers on board, Francesco decided to take the ship off course to a nearby island in order to show the ship to the locals. 
They set a course towards the island. They were about half a mile away. And they didn't know that the rocks were underneath the water. And it ripped over a hundred foot gash in the side of that vessel and started filling the lower decks with water. Francesco refusing to take responsibility for his actions, told passengers to wait in their cabins without telling them what was going on as he got on a lifeboat and made it safely to shore, resulting in 32 deaths. So much destruction because somebody decided to change the course. Somebody decided to get off the course. There's a man that I grew up with. His dad was a pastor. He said he was going to be a missionary to China. That's what he talked about doing with his life. He said, I'm going to go to China. I'm going to be, he loved missions conference because he got to talk with all the missionaries that were there. I'm going to be a missionary to China. Growing up and getting back together for old time's sake. Sitting across from each other, we got to talk about where we were at in life. One of them was his live-in girlfriend. The boy who was talking about being a missionary, about telling people about Jesus, preaching the gospel, got off of his course and is not a missionary today. And now there are people in China that are not being preached the gospel. They're not being reached for Jesus Christ. Why? Why do people get off course? Because they don't listen to God's warning. Go not down into Egypt. This world is pulling people off course. It's pulling people off course left and right. It's very appetizing. It's appealing to look out into the world and see what they have to offer. When Lot separated himself from Abraham as they were stepping all over each other, Abraham said, you go one way and I'll go the other. You have first pick. So what did Lot do? He looked out and he saw the oasis on the plains of Jordan and he saw all that looked good and there's plenty of room and he pitched his tent just outside of Sodom. And between chapter 13 and chapter 14 of Genesis, he found himself inside Sodom, owning a house. I don't know if it was the business that allured him, if it was other pleasures. I don't know if maybe he just got tired of living in a tent. But either way, he ended up right inside one of the wickedest cities in all the Bible, in all the history. A people that, with their immorality, put their fist in God's face. And the world... Satan, the flesh, there's this pull that's pulling Christians away from truth, away from righteousness. We talked in Sunday school a few weeks ago. God will only lead you into truth. He will only lead you into righteousness. He will not lead you in anything contrary to his word. It's alluring. It's tempting. So God gives the warning Go not down into Egypt. There's plenty of things in this world that are distracting. And they're pulling, and they're pulling, and they're pulling people off of the course. But I'm here to tell you that God has a specific plan for your life. He has you on a specific course. 
I tell the young people all the time, God has a plan for your life that he doesn't have for anybody else. He wants you to serve him in a way that he's called you to do. He has a purpose for your life where the devil is going to do everything he can to pull them, to take you off the course, to get you to not serve God and to serve yourself. And to serve yourself is to serve the devil. God is calling every one of us to stay on the course that he has set before us. Go not down into Egypt. There's a course that has been set, and there is a promise that remains. There are promises that remain. Notice in verse number 3, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. Look at verse number 4. And I will make thy seed multiply as the stars of heaven. What did he say to Abraham? See the stars? Can you number them? That's what your seed is going to be. That's going to be your descendants. You're going to be the father of many nations. He's given this promise to Isaac. You are going to continue this promise that I gave to Abraham. You are going to build my people, the children of Israel. Isaac, you keep your course, and I will bless you. Just like I promised your father Abraham, I will bless you. It is a continual promise because he is a consistent God. He does not change. That's the one thing we don't understand today is God does not change. He is consistent. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. All these pieces falling together into place in Genesis chapter 26 are a part of God's master plan for his people. The plan that God gave to Abraham, the promise that God made to Abraham. Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. I will make thy name great. This is a part of the promise that he was already given before Isaac was even born. God's promises remain because God remains. God's promises don't change because God does not change. God's assurances are sure because he is sure. God's word is truth because he is truth. I had a friend I was sitting down with. We were having a theological discussion. I'm two young guys fresh out of college getting in a theological discussion. It was always fun. Comparing ourselves to where we are now compared to how we were raised. We got to talking about music and how the styles don't matter and the people singing it don't matter and the lifestyles that they live don't matter. We got to talking about the Bible and how which version you use doesn't matter. And all the translations are the same. What it boils down to is that the times have changed. This was the conclusion. The times have changed. Let me ask you a question. What do we as believers, how we practice our Christianity, should that be changed on the, based on the winds of time? Should that be based on the change of culture? Or should we base what we do on the one who set it up in the first place? The one who never changes, the one who is always consistent. Cultures change with every generation. The times have changed since time began. The only thing that remains consistent is the God that created 
that time. I heard somebody put it this way. Our changing years affect not him, with whom one day is as a thousand years and and a thousand years as one day. Who is the same yesterday and today and forever in a changing world? Let us rejoice in this unchangeableness. Our changing years affect not him with whom one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. In a changing world, let us rejoice in this unchangeableness. God doesn't change. People change. Philosophies change. Theologians change. Pastors change. Preachers change. People change. But God doesn't change. He's the only consistency that we have. He's the only consistent thing that we can hold on to. But too many believers today are are swayed and they're getting off course because they've lost sight of this fact that God doesn't change. What God has said, God is still saying. What God has said, God is still saying. He does not change. How many preachers have heard a church because they got off course? How many moms and dads have heard a family because they got off course? How many believers have been hurt by other believers because somebody got off course? How many bad testimonies have been given because believers have got off course and they're not winning the lost world around them? How much could we do if we relied on the God that does not change rather than relying on the culture that changes Every generation. The course has been set by a God that does not change. There's a course that's been set. There's a promise that remains. And there are orders to follow. Look at verse number five with me. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice. I'm sorry, because Abraham listened to my voice. Because Abraham heard my voice. What does it say? Because that Abraham obeyed my voice. He didn't just hear it, he obeyed it and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. They all belong to God. When God gives orders, he expects them to be followed. If Francesco had obeyed the orders he was given, he wouldn't, got off, wouldn't have got off course. 32 people wouldn't have lost their lives, and he would not be spending 16 years in jail for manslaughter. Abraham obeyed my voice. Abraham followed the orders, because Abraham followed God. Abraham followed the orders because Abraham followed God. He says, Abraham obeyed my voice. You know what part of our problem is in our country, in our nation? So we don't listen. Many of you remember the Victory Baptist Church that came through. And we have the teens up here, they sang beautifully, they had wonderful songs, and then Brother Mawson preached. 
And then we went down to the fellowship hall and the teenagers that were visiting with us joined us for the snack attack. And we ate some food, had some fellowship, and then we played a game called Signs. Has anybody played the game Signs? Do you know how it's played? Yeah, like one, two. They didn't know either, so I tried to explain it to them. I was not 30 seconds into explaining this game when one of the girls to my left says, I don't understand. About, about that loud. What are we doing? I'm not exaggerating that much, but man. It was like 30 seconds in. I was like 20% done with explaining the game. If you listen, I will explain it to you. So I go on to explain the game. I don't understand. What are we doing? If you would listen, and I'm about this frustrated at this point, if you, this happened like six or seven times, and then another girl across the circle began to do the same thing. I don't understand either. What are we doing? If you would listen to what I'm saying, how many times do you do that with your children? If you would listen to what I'm saying, I would be able to explain it to you in a way that you would understand so you could fulfill the request that I've made of you, right? I, w I don't have any kids, but I was a child, and I remember that very well. Listening every single time I was told to do something. <sighs> okay, maybe hearing it, but not maybe none, not, neither hearing it nor listening to it. Either way, <clears throat> a lot of our problem is we don't listen to God. We're too busy listening to this philosopher and what he has to say. We're too busy over listening to this person and what they have to say. We're too busy listening to our family and what they have to say, what the neighbor has to say. What the news has to say, if you want to call it that. What our friends have to say. We're too busy listening to these voices around us, or we're too busy talking to where we can't even hear God's voice. Abraham not only heard God's voice, he obeyed his voice. Sometimes when we get the answer, we don't want to obey. We hear what God said. At the age of about 14 years old, God called me to preach. I remember we was in, I was in mom's minivan. We were on our way to Aldi. <clears throat> we were like right, the, right about there. And I don't know if it was from a sermon that I heard at camp or the youth rallies or whatever, but I just knew right then and there God called me to preach. And my immediate response was, I don't think so. I'm not going to get up if I've, I've seen what they, what they do. I ain't getting up in front of anybody and preaching or anything. That's not me. That's not what I'm going to do. And I ran from that call for so long, I forgot it was there. Until God did something to get my attention. God is uh, in the business of doing that, by the way. If you're not listening, he has a way to get your attention. If your child is not listening, what do you do? You smack them on the head. I mean, you... you kindly get their attention. Now, you get their attention. If you were born when I was born, then yeah, they might smack you on the head and get your attention. You can't do that nowadays. But anyways, they'd get your attention. They'd do something to you to get your attention. And then they'd make you listen. And if you're small, small enough, they'll make you obey. But Abraham didn't. He wasn't forced to obey. He heard the voice of God and he obeyed. How many times have we heard God's voice and we didn't obey? Who was affected by that? Those that were around us who were told to 
talk to that person about Christ? Who's affected by it? The person that's on their way to hell. We're told to serve in the church and we refuse. No one else knows about it but me. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not helping with the kids. Have you, they're little terrors. Have you seen them? You know, it's, it's the best part about children's ministry is you just jump in and be a kid with them. Yeah, we had a great time on the way here. We're the bus, the shuttle bus today. We were talking, and we were goofing, around, goofing off and having a good time together. And I mean, there was a time where I had to say, hey, we need to sit in our seats. We sit in the seats. But I mean, you know, just get in there and just have fun with them. You know, serving God can be fun. And it's a lot more fun if you're obeying his voice instead of ignoring it. We hear it, but sometimes we ignore it. It says, he obeyed God's voice. He kept, his, he kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my law. Charged, to, to, called him to observe. Kind of like when he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. When Isaac was just a young boy, this promised seed of 25 years now being delivered. Just back in chapter 22. And God calls Abraham to sacrifice his only son. The, the one thing that he's been praying for when God promised it 25 years prior. But it says in the morning they got up and they went. Verse 9 in chapter 22, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand. And took the knife to slay his son, and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here am I. He said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy hand, thy son, thine only son, from, he, from me. There's things that we're chasing in life, things that we really want to do. It could be a career, it could be college, it could be a spouse, it could be anything. That could be God's will for your life. But when that becomes the priority, when other things around us, circumstances that we want to happen in our life, when those things become the priority, when we lift that above God, we have to get to the point where we're willing to give those things up in order to be right with God. It's not that necessarily that God wants those things. What he wants is you, the individual. He says that he obeyed his statutes. The decree, decrees that were uh, to be acknowledged, kind of like when Abraham implemented circumcision as a Jewish custom. It was a picture that set the children of Israel apart from any other people as a way of identifying with God. Abraham identified himself with God. Do you know what verse 5 is? It's not just someone, it's not just Abraham believing in God. It's believing in God enough to follow his orders. Now this does not mean that Abraham was perfect because he was not. He made plenty of mistakes his son Isaac is going to make plenty of mistakes, some of them the same exact mistakes that his father Abraham did. But look what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. Go ahead and turn with me. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 8. Bible says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed that he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of, what's that word? Promise. As in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same, what's that word? Promise. Verse number 13, these all died in faith. Abraham wasn't perfect, but he died in faith. Isaac was not perfect, but he died in faith. Why? Because they followed God. You know how many people claim to be a follower of God, but they don't follow his orders? Isaac didn't just say he was going to follow God. Isaac did follow God. Verse number two, go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Verse number six of Genesis 26. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Isaac, go not down into Egypt. Dwell the land which I shall tell thee of. Okay, God. I'm going to stay out of Egypt. I'll stay out of Egypt. You want me to stay here in Gerar? I'll stay in Gerar. And there is a call, a pull from the world, from Egypt, that every believer faces. Every generation, every life, every believer faces because it's appealing to the flesh. It looks appetizing, it's enticing. But the world only shows you what you want to see. I've known teenage girls that go and they make these mistakes. I've talked, I only say because I've talked to them personally far a few years back. They make these mistakes and they regret it. They got caught up in Egypt. Teenage boys that started listening to their friends rather than God and got caught up in the things of the world. And I know some now that are addicted to drugs alcoholics because they valued Egypt more than what God had for them. Men that I went to school with that were supposed to be preachers and missionaries but they saw Egypt and instead of staying on the course that God set for them staying in Gerar they went out to the world and applied themselves there whether it's through business whether it's through sin, but they're not on the course that God had set for them. Little did Isaac and Abraham know what God was going to do in Gerar. Gerar was one of the cities in the nation of, in the nation of Israel. And all of these things that God would do through the prophets 
of the nations of Israel, writing down the oracles, as Romans tells us. The Bible, the words of God, as they pen the words of God, they perform miracles. They were the people of promise. Do you have any idea of what God wants to do with you? Do you know what God wants to do in your life? Do you know what God wants to do through you? God has a specific plan for your life. He wants you to know that plan. Will you listen to his voice and will you obey? If he tells you, go not down into Egypt, would you hear his voice? If he tells you to make sacrifice and to serve him, would you obey his voice? If he calls you to serve in your church, would you obey his voice? If he calls you to witness to your family or friends or neighbors, would you listen to his voice? Would you obey his voice? If he called you to fulfill your purpose in your life, would you obey his voice? God is calling tonight. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me, patiently. Jesus is waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me? Why should we linger and heed not his mercies, mercies for you and for me? Oh, for the wonderful love he has promised, promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon, pardon for you and for me. Come home. Come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, O sinner, come home. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for your word and what it means for us to have it and to hold it and to use it and to read it to follow it, to obey it. Help us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. We thank you for our pastor to lead us. May you bless him and his family as they're away tonight and give them safety on their return. We pray for our pastor as he leads us and guides us through your shepherding, through your leading. Help us to reach this community for Christ. Help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Help us to fulfill our purpose for our lives. Help us to be tender and not just to hear your voice, but willing to follow your orders and to obey your voice. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.